Hey, Wire Monkeys. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk Cabling. On tonight's show, we're going to do a two-part series on how to sell your low-voltage services. Welcome to the show where we tackle the tough questions submitted by installers, project managers, estimators, customers, all types of ICT personnel. We are connecting at the human level so that we can connect the world. If you're watching this show on YouTube, would you mind hitting the subscribe button and the bell button to be notified when new content is being produced? If you're listening to us on one of the audio podcast platforms, would you mind leaving us a five-star rating? The simple little steps helps us take on the algorithm so we can educate, encourage, and enrich the lives of people in the ICT industry. Thursday nights, 6 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. What are you doing? I do a live stream where you get to ask your favorite RCDD your questions on installation, design, certification, estimation, project management, even career path questions. But I can hear you now. Chuck, I'm driving my truck. It's 6 p.m. on Thursdays. I don't want to crash. Got you covered. They're all recorded, and you can watch them at letstalkcabling.com. And finally, while this show is free and will always remain free, if you find value in this content, would you mind clicking on that QR code right there where you can buy me a cup of coffee? You can even schedule a 15-minute one-on-one call with me, after hours, of course. Where I'll answer your, your, your questions about the ICT industry. There, you can also support us by going to Amazon and, and using our realtor link there as well. And we're also always looking for corporate sponsorship. So if you understand this is going to be an agnostic platform and your company's values are to educate, encourage, and enrich the people's lives in this industry, send me a message. So we're going to start a two-part series on how to sell your low-voltage services. Now, this is a little higher-end conversation than we normally do on the show, but I have been seeing a lot of questions lately about how do you price this? How do you find customers? And and so I figured, while I was never a salesperson, I've always worked around salespeople. So you know me, I'll reach out to one of my subject matter experts, and this particular expert I've worked with for over the last 12 years, but yet this person is over... 30 years of experience of selling to the low voltage industry. So make sure you watch both episodes this week's and next week's. So welcome to the show, John Appalucci. How you doing, my friend? Great. Great. How are you enjoying the uh, retired life? Oh yeah. Yeah. You know, just feel like uh, working for many years, earned it and enjoying it. Yep. And just being able to try some new things. So, yep. Oh, you absolutely have earned it. That's that's a fact. Because I've I've known you now for twelve years, and I've always known you to be uh, very hardworking, very dedicated, very on top of everything. You were a hustler. You were a hustler. That's when you said you were tiring. I was like, it don't sound like the John that I know. <laughs> the John I know, he's go 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 go. So, so for those who may not know you, can you tell us uh, who you are, the the company that you ran, and. And just an overview of uh, of some selling for your success in selling low voltage. Yes, uh, my name is John Appalucci. Um, ran uh, multiple or uh, was in the business uh, a number of years. Uh, uh, started JPI back in 1994, and uh, 
ran it uh, for 26 years. I uh, had some partners, Todd Loveless and, and Brad Wilson, and uh, we kind of just kept growing the company, um, you know, through uh, just hard work and uh, trying to get smarter at it. Um, uh, so my previous experience was working with some major corporations. Um, so I guess, you know, kind of to summarize it up, it's we all start in a position and we just try to continually grow ourselves, um, you know, learn more, um, take take uh, uh, advantage of opportunities. Um, sometimes the hardest thing to do is recognize an opportunity when it's standing right in front of us. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. take opportunities. And, and I guess the one takeaway that I would have would be um, don't be afraid to put yourself in an uncomfortable situation. I think that's how we really learn the best because um, we find out that things usually aren't what we think they are. And, uh, and we gain, you know, confidence and, and, and learn through, through, um, like I say, putting ourselves in uncomfortable situations, you know, and then, and starting a company, I had never had my own company um, and just kind of embraced it and, um, you know, just tried to, be intentional about it and um and it works out i think you know if you if you put effort into things um you will be successful and i'll give you a quick story i met a guy before i started jpi and um he was working for a distributor um their top salesman and i met with him and trying to get him to rep my products he's i'm not interested in your products but he took time to to sit with me and he said, I woke up one day, I was the top salesman at this distributor up in uh, Minneapolis. And he goes, I figured out if I worked this hard for myself, I had to be successful. And he became one of the most successful reps um, in the country, uh, Mike Pride. He became very successful and only because he had faith in his own abilities and, and knowing his work ethic. Yeah, I, I think you're. I think you're not patting yourself hard enough on the back. Because I mean, I mean, I know you through my day job, um, and but you were one of the most successful rep firms that we had, or at least in my footprint. I can't talk for the for the other footprint, but you know the other half of the country, but my half of the country, you were one of the, the one of the most successful rep firms there. So so you can toot your horn a little bit. You, you can tell people that you know you're good. Well, I I think we tried to be good. I mean, I think we put effort into it. You know, I would get calls from Todd at eight o'clock at night or or ten o'clock on a Saturday morning, and he would say, "Hey, I got this idea. Why don't we look at this or try this?" And and we really lived it twenty four seven. And I think that was probably what helped us be successful. You know, at five o'clock, you know, it we didn't put it down, and and that was done. We 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 um. We really had our heart and soul into it. And I think it, it, if you do that, it will, you will succeed if you, if you really put your best effort into it. Oh, oh, absolutely. Absolutely. So this whole conversation tonight, John, I want it to be from the perspective of, you know, the people, I've got two major tiers of audience members in my, in my group here, in my, my audience. And one of them is a newer up emerging professional, someone who's, an excellent technician, excellent project manager. And they said, you know, I want to hang my own shingle. So they're good technically wise, but they're not so good sales wise. Right. So that's kind of, that's how I want to gear this whole conversation. And one of the differentiating factors between good and great companies 
is sales, right? I mean, that's, that's, that's one of the key components. If you can't get the work in the door, you can't show them how good you are quality, right? So, you know, what are some, what do you think are the differences between the good companies who do sales right and the mediocre companies that don't do sales right? Well, I, I think it, 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 sales is a big part of it. Um, but I think what happens is you have someone that has technical knowledge. Um, they need to make the transition to become a business owner. And when you become a business owner, you have to handle everything. You have to, you know, you have to actually be able to do whatever product you're supplying. You also have to be able to speak to customers and, and, and deal with situations when they happen. You have to be aware of, of costs. You have to be conscious. Are, are you actually making money? You know, um, are jobs profitable? Um, I think maybe that's where some folks in the contract business don't know how they've done on particular jobs. I have a particular acquaintance of mine that uh, was building houses and he ran into some trouble and he was asked the question, well, how much did you make on that last house? And he didn't know. So he didn't know if he was making money, losing money, making a lot of money. So I would say that if, if a contractor wants to become his own business and it's very doable because there's always opportunity for a good company that does something. Just, just be conscious of the numbers for one thing, because without, without the profit, you don't really have a company. You could do the greatest work. And, and everybody in the business love you. But if you're doing projects and you're not making money, you're not going to stay a viable company. So be, know the numbers, you know, know what your sales are, know what you make on particular projects, probably to the penny. Um, now you don't have to do that forever because you, you, you probably a contractor knows what his fixed costs are, but you know, have a relative idea, at least at the beginning how profitable your projects are. And I think one of the questions you uh, sent me was um, how, how, how can they be better at bidding? Well, you have to know, you have to have your own history. Um, you know what your costs are. Probably they're, they're similar with a lot of things are similar, but your particular situation might have some advantages or disadvantages. So I guess overall know the numbers. If for one thing, and then sales, you can't just sit behind a desk and wait for emails to show up or bid lists. Really, my this is probably the biggest point I want to make with all of this is you have a young young guys had some experience, project manager knows how to design or at least you know put together structured cabling systems that says you know what I can do this for myself. Well, that's great. That's a good start. But he also has to get out from behind the desk or out from the truck and go visit some potential customers, build relationships. You know, there's many ways to skin this cat, but I would think one is go introduce yourself to every electrical contractor in your area so they know that you do voice and data, you know, and it's going to, it might take 20 visits. It might take one visit, but it's a numbers game, you know, go and um, introduce yourself, you know, 
Introduce yourself to the distributors. I, I, got, I got a question for you. So I, I know because I used to be an estimator and I know that because I always track. And I love the fact that you said, no, if you're making money or not, because there's a lot of companies out there that will do a bid and then they'll go out and do the work, but they're not tracking their material budgets, not tracking their labor budgets, not tracking the other direct costs. In the end of the day, they say, yeah, we, 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 we did good. Well, if you don't know you made money, my dad always used to say, you can't drive a car by looking in the rearview mirror. And that's what you're doing if you're not tracking what you're doing. Yeah, you got to be looking forward ahead, right? But when I was an estimator, I used to know, because I, I tracked all my stuff, that I knew that in a uh, competitive bid environment, I won maybe 10 to 12% of the jobs that I actually priced, right? Sales is a very personal, like like you said, get out to know people, right? How much do you think... For somebody, let's say somebody's making a hundred sales calls. Of those hundred sales calls, how many of those do you think they're actually going to get to meet with somebody? Well, I think what happens is a cold calls, maybe twenty five percent. You know, if you, sh- I've I've done many times where I tried calling somebody, tried calling them, and one day I said, you know what, I got nothing to lose. I'm just going to show up at their office. And sat down, walked in the door, and they said, "Yeah, he's sitting right here. Yeah, he can he can talk to you." Some people you're just not going to get through to on the phone or through an email. You have to physically walk into their office, and usually those are probably the best people to deal the, to work with because they're the ones that are busy. They don't have time for sales calls. They they have they're trying to get stuff done. So, so yeah, I've had surprising situations and walked away with orders just by walking in and, and, um, seeing if somebody's there. So, yeah. So getting back to, you know, uh, somebody trying to start a business, you know, get out there, you know, get in your car, drive around, spend days just introducing yourself to people, you know, you know, don't be afraid. Just, just even if you've never done that before, if somebody says, "Well, I'm not a sales guy," well, we're, then all sales probably, guys. we're all we're all sales guys. We're all sales guys. So the, the first thing, maybe the first rule is, if somebody wants to start their own business, they have to realize they are a sales guy. You know, in some form or not, because you, you know, the buck stops with you, and and there may be a situation where you have to go and kind of sell your company. You know, don't be afraid to talk to people. Yeah, I like uh, I like that uh, that you said just go visit the people because the the younger generation, and this is not meant negatively, it's just an observation because I've got six kids that range from early twenties to mid thirties, and I just know just from them and dealing with contractors all all the time, you know, they rely way too much on technology. You know, I mean by that I mean phones and emails and so, and sales is a it's a it's a it's, it's a relationship I, I remember when i used to work for a company once my my boss who uh the company i was an estimator for he was he worked this one particular sales lead i mean he took he would meet with this guy once a month he said sometimes he'd take him to lunch sometimes he'd take him on these little jaunts and stuff like that he did that for seven years before he got his first opportunity to bid something for this guy. And and the first thing we bid was a contract that we put 30 technicians on and they were there year round and they were there for multiple years. So it paid off in the long run, but you know, 
if you don't put in the time, you don't put the face-to-face time, you just kind of rely on, like I said, text messages and, and phone calls and stuff like that. And there are some people that like text messages and phone calls, but most people want to put a face to that. It's, it's all about a relationship. Right. So you, you said, but, you know, just go ahead and just go visit uh, business plus in, in sales. There's this thing called vertical markets, right? Vertical markets, vertical markets for those who don't do sales. What that means is like, if I decide I want to pursue only doing work for law firms, because I've got some kind of a niche with that, that would be a vertical market, right? If I wanted to do only hospitals, that would be a vertical market, right? Um, as a salesperson or, or, or somebody, you know, starting a company, what are some good techniques they can look at to identify a good target market? And then to follow that question up, how would they go find clients in that target market? Well, I guess, first of all, they have to figure out what that target market is. Um, so I pretty much when you're starting a business, I think you have to keep a wide angled view to, to see what you click with, see what your experience you know, um, is most, most successful at. So, you know, I would say at the beginning, keep your, keep a wide angle. And then as you start to do projects, you might all of a sudden say, you know what, I got, I've been doing these three hospitals. So I kind of get to know that environment. So then what you do is maybe join some associations, you know, hospital associations, um, you know, get back to visit all the hospitals. Say, hey, I do work at Duke, I do work at UNC, I do work at Rex, you know. Um, you know, that gives folks some confidence that you kind of know the environment that you're in and um, that you understand their business, you know. Really, I think one of the keys to it is make your customer feel like you're part of the team, not somebody that's selling them something. Yes. You know, be, be yes. part of them. You're there. You're there to help them be successful. Yes. And if you help them be successful, then you will be successful. Uh, that's Those are great words. Great words, John. I, I love that because, like I said, it, when I, I, I kind of said it when I said it was, it was a relational thing, but you hit the nail right on the head because if, um, if, they, don't, if they quit looking at you as a salesperson and look at you as a member of the team, they're going to bring you in on communications earlier. They can bring you in on opportunities earlier, you know. And and what happens is, and and, and again, I'm not really a, a salesperson, but I've seen this happen at events and stuff where I would see, you know, I'd be at like a Bixie event. I'd be sitting at the big table at the banquet dinner, and you're sitting there with, you know, 15 other people you don't know who might be other contractors, might be end users, might be manufacturers. And I've I've seen this more than once where somebody says, oh, yeah, I work for, you know, We'll pick on hospitals, right? Oh, I work for, you know, John Hopkins. Oh, I work for uh, University of Maryland Hospital. And then boom, you know, and then they say, well, who, who's doing your cabling? I've seen that happen more than once at a Pixie event. And uh, so that, that's going to help a lot. So once, so what's a good way for, now you said, you know, hey, just go visit place, go visit people. You know, there's good customers, and there's bad customers, right? How, how do you pick which ones that you want to go meet with so to make sure that your your effort and your time doesn't go wasted. Well, I would say you meet with everybody that's willing to sit down with you and, you know, maybe try to come up with a a feeling whether you think you're going to get some business there. So if it's somebody you feel like has an immediate need and you can get some traction, then you might want to you you, you want to follow up with everybody you meet with for one thing. Send them a note, send them an email, send them a letter, 
and just say, hey, thanks for meeting with me. You know, we're here. This is what we do. But past that, if you have a guy that you, you know, that there's somebody that you've been trying to do business with and you've been there every month for three years, well, you probably don't need to go there every month. So your time is valuable. So you probably have to figure how to maximize your time to, to the potential. Now, like you're saying about the, the individual, you know, went there for seven years, eventually got business. It probably didn't make sense for them to go there every, every other week or every month, but maybe every few months touch base with them. You know, one thing I always tried to do is I had a, I picked out a hundred people and here's a hundred people that can change my business or help my business. And I made sure that I contacted them at least on a regular basis, some every week, some every month, some every six months. You know, you don't know. Companies change. You call somebody and they go, I, you know, I've been, I, you, you call somebody and you've been calling them every three months, no business. All of a sudden you call and they go, well, he's not here anymore. Here's, you know, this other guy, he's taken over for him now. Well, can I talk to him? And all of a sudden, you have a relationship with this guy because he knows somebody, he knows you. And all of a sudden you, you are, you got an opportunity. So, you know, don't write anybody off, but learn how to adjust how much time you should devote to it. But, but, but really, you know, make sure you are contacting people. You know, we'd have days when things were slow. Well, that was the day you make phone calls and you follow up on people and say, Hey, I hadn't talked to you in a while. You know, don't be afraid to, to to just contact people. It it will surprise you. Yeah, you know, how did you pick those hundred people? Out of curiosity, I you just have to kind of get a feeling. You know, you know, you have twenty of them are good customers. Um, you know, or twenty of them are people you know that you know will work with you. So those people you're probably contacting sometimes every day, every other day, every month. Um, and then you have others like. Tier two people that you know, hey, he's the IT guy for UNC Chapel Hill. We don't do any business there now, but the, there's a lot of potential there. So I want to at least let that person know who I am. And if you, I tell you, if you work every business, I would say you will get some business from at least 60 to 70% of everybody if you put enough effort into it. So don't write anybody off. Say, hey, I've talked to that guy three times and there's no potential there. You don't know. Don't make those assumptions. Yeah, I, I, you know, when you mentioned earlier about the, you know, where the one person you were, you're calling on left and somebody else took their place. The beautiful thing about that is if you have a, if you have a good, a nurtured relationship with that person who left, well, the company they're going to go to, they may bring you in opportunities at a new company. So you're, you're, you know, getting potential extra people. Yeah. And that has happened to me a number of times, you know, and my wife, my wife was in sales and she had a, uh, a customer she knew in New York came down to the Carolinas and, um, said, Hey, she did payroll. And she, um, he called her and said, Hey, I know you're from New York. Hey, I need a payroll. And it was one of the biggest deals she ever wrote because she had a relationship with, with the person and, and they knew who she was. And, you know, you just, uh, you, you just, don't make any assumptions that there's no business anywhere. There's, there's always business somewhere. It might not be now, 
It might be never, but it may be in six months, three months, the next, t- tomorrow. You never know. You know, you, you, t- I, I guess in sales, you, you just have to keep going at it. You know, you know, I, I don't want to say you throw enough mud on the wall, some sticks. I, I think that's too simplistic. I think you have to have a target. When you talk to somebody, you know, my business partner, Todd, his, his theory, and it's a good theory is whenever you have a meeting with somebody, whether it's the first or the hundredth time, always have some homework. And what he meant by that was have a reason to follow up. With oh, that that's person. great. I like that. I like that. It, it just keeps, just keeps continuing the conversation, you know, um, you know, if you, and you, and one thing else is you have to evaluate what the potential is with a customer. Not that you only go for big customers, you know, uh, smaller customers are, are good business too. Cause they may know people, you know, you, you eat rabbits. So you need pieces of business that allow you to keep daily business going. And then you work the big pieces and, and that's when you get the big hit. So right. you need both. You can't just look for elephants. If you go hunting for elephants, you're probably going to go hungry. You need rabbits along and that, the way. The, 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 the scenario that I talked about was with the guy my boss nourished for seven years. That was an elephant. That was absolutely an elephant. And, you know, you, and like you said, you, you know, if we had waited for that, the company would have gone out of business in that seven years. And they did. They, we did. Yeah. Long before yeah. seven years. Absolutely. So that concludes episode one. I hope you got enough information out of that one to help begin your selling process because remember it's a relationship, not anything else. The better the relationship, the better chances you having selling till next time. Knowledge is power. That's it for this episode of today's podcast. We hope you were able to learn something. Make sure to subscribe so you don't miss out on future content. Also, leave a rating so we can help even more people learn about telecommunications. Until next time, be safe.